0: Ah, yes there's the music and you know what that means the cool button uncensored hockey podcast is back on the air i know it's still season one craig i think it's episode <laughs> six and if it's not Crystal tell us it's not it doesn't really matter if it's episode six or 63 or i guess maybe it does because it's still early october now craig i know you are one of the most sharp dress men i've ever seen zz top could have written the song for you. Now I can see you, the audience can't, and you're a world traveler. Okay. So how did you enjoy your trip back to Toronto? You're going back to Calgary. Are you a frequent flyer and you always dress this good at the airport? Hey, look good, feel good. Right. Yeah. You know what?
1: Tommy McVie a long time. Uh, he, um, I mean, he was everything in the, na- in the in the national hockey league, did so many different things. I remember him saying early on, he said, uh, if you dress like you it looks like you're going somewhere, you probably are. <laughs> so you know, not not bad advice, right, Tommy? Tommy's wonderful, right? Uh, but uh, I, I've been in Toronto for opening week uh, in the TSN series. You know, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal being with everybody, Kerr Wagland and Lindsay Hamilton and Jen Hedger and Tessa. But I'm on the set, being there, talking about things. But you know, uh, uh, heading back to uh, you head back to Calgary, and uh, you know, you, you know who knows? You know, maybe get an upgrade. You know, I haven't traveled that much. You know, I'm trying to. You got you to go into the bag of tricks, Steve, to to, to to try to find him. But you know, one of the things, you know, scouting. I was at a I was at a junior game in Guelph on Friday. Saw the Sioux Saint Marie Greyhounds. Tell you, there's a pretty good player playing for the Sioux Greyhounds for the for the draft, and his name is Bryce McConnell Barker. He was a high pick to the Sioux Saint Marie Greyhounds. But you know, you go and watch these players. I'd seen him play in Calgary, and you know, so that that was also an opportunity to. Uh, uh, you know, watch the, the upcoming talent. We talk about the young players in the NHL, right? Doing okay? Well, keep that name on your mind. Bryce McConnell Barker, pretty good. And uh, Maddie Savoy, who's playing in Winnipeg, is having a pretty good year. His brother Carter, draft pick to the Edmonton Oilers, had a hat trick and th- six points for Denver, fourth round draft pick. I thought he was one of the best goal scorers in the draft. I think the Oilers got a steal in the fourth round. Anyway, that's where I am. That's where I'm headed. Uh, All kinds of fun going on, but uh, I haven't flown as much as I usually did. I was a frequent flyer until I wasn't, but uh, I'll be doing it more frequently.
0: We've known each other a while now, and you know that I like to talk, whether it is in public or in private, and it doesn't really matter. I'm not turning any switch on for the podcast or the broadcast or radio or television. When you are out and at the games, is that your sweet spot? Like when you... You've been a manager, you've done contracts, you've done television and radio and everything else. Sometimes people are in a spot that makes them the happiest or a spot that they love the most. Craig Button scouting and watching, whether they're the pros, they're the amateurs, they're the kids. I mean, you gave me a lesson in scouting at the Minor Midget Whitby Showcase and we kind of watched Quentin Byfield together and you gave me tips and I could see the other scouts over the shoulder and the place was Uh, All the, if people haven't experienced that part of the game, now that COVID's over, get out. Like there's, look, we love NHL hockey and it's, and we love all, but there's more levels of hockey than people understand. And if you're in areas of elite talent to sit there and watch that and get to pick your brain and talk about a guy that now is basically a broken ankle from healing away from getting in the NHL. I love that. And Craig, the five years from when he was 15 to 20, they go like this, this, And then a new crop comes. But I guess my question and topic point would be, is that your sweet spot on the Rawlings? Is that the spot that the ball hits the bat that you love the most?
1: Well, I I love it. But like, you know, like going into the buildings to watch the NHL games is is exciting. You know, uh, I, I, I turned on the game uh, with Montreal and the New York Rangers on Saturday night. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, what, what, what an electric. atmosphere! No, we didn't even get to feel that through the through the TV last year. And you forget, and people ask me, what's the best arena to watch an NHL game? There's lots of good ones. My favorite is Montreal because there's an energy, and it's rocking, and they get into it. And so, you know, when I go and scout, when you ask me that, I love watching young players. I was at the Women's World Championships, and I was thrilled to watch them. And I went in there to scout. I went in and scout. You know, because, you know, you're trying to look at players. There's so many good young players playing and then you're and from different countries like, you know, you, and you're going and, and then you're watching the real good players like, you know, Elena Mueller who plays for Switzerland. Like, a lot of she's not a household name. She's one of the best players in the world. You know, we know about, you know, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain. We know about Brianna Decker. They're all good players. But to watch these other players and to see how good they are, and to watch the young players, it's exciting. No different than going to Quelf on, on a Friday and watching Bryce McConnell, Barker, and Steve. We're going to the Whitby Silver Stick this year in November mm-hmm. because there's another young player. I'm going to tell you his name is Ryan Rubrick. He's from London. He's playing. Uh, he's 14, playing up with the with the uh, minor midgets. Oh, oh. He, and he's a, he's a, September. He's, a, he's born after September 15th. So this is a young guy that everybody is already talking about. Uh, my nephew coached him in Pee So I got some uh, – so so we're going to go watch this good young – and I'm just – I haven't seen him play, but I'm just as excited to go watch him play as I was to go into Guelph and watch players play and go on and watch the Women's World Championships. It's fun. It's fun to see these players. And be able, I want to be able to talk about them through my own lens. You know, doesn't mean my lens is always right. Doesn't mean that I'm the only one that has a perspective because I'm not, but I love watching it. So when you talk about a sweet spot,
0: yeah. Well, we're going and we're broadcasting on the Sirius XM side there live. We did it two years ago and now it's become a staple. Although can something become a sca- staple when you do it once? It was just so exciting and so, what's the word for, so social. I look over there, I get a tap on the right shoulder. It's Brian Rafalski. It's Brian Rafalski carrying boxes and saying hi. He's just a dad, Craig. He's just a dad. And then another dad's over my left shoulder, says to me, Chopras. Well, that's Macedonian. You know who that was? Chris Stamkos, Steve's dad, right? And I said, oh, what's going on? He goes, I don't like the microphone. I just wanted to say hi. And then you look over here and you look over there and there's just everyone, Everyone involved in the game, past and present and future. And it is a, it's a smorgasbord. And I love being a part of it. So that's not too far away. Now, I understand the tournament is going. The only thing that might be different this year is the travel. So maybe some of the, the US teams won't be able to come, and, and that's fine. But to get back and do that type of thing and watch and get the tips from you, I, I like a lot. And I, I guess since I mentioned Chris Stamkos, I wouldn't mind talking about Steve Stamkos because you know what? I am happy that I'm seeing a guy. Okay. He'll never be the way he was. I don't think when he crashed into the post in Boston, Thanksgiving, Um, that was the sixth. that. Okay. We all know. Then he's been through, you know what? And he's had a lot of bad luck. 2015 playoffs. I don't have to go through that part of the list, but to watch and yeah, there's a ninth cousin thing. You know his grandmother might. I don't care about that. Well, I do, but that's not why I'm. That's not why I'm talking about it. What I'm saying is this. Yes. Yes. You you
1: make me laugh. When Stamp Ghost was coming into the league, you you wanted everybody to know that he was Macedonian. You wanted everybody to know that you're related to him. And <laughs> what do you think that I forgot about all that? You used to go on national TV and go the 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 Macedonian assassin. That's what you like. Come on, like,
0: Right, right? <laughs> busted! I'm busted. Very busted. So you're right. That's true. But to see him. Rip in the overtime winner to see him produce at an early pace. And you talk about one-timers. If 14 forwards go and he's the 14th for power play duty and fourth line duty, if Ovi and Stammer are the best two in the league at it and Kucherov on the other side with McDavid, McKinnon, Marchand, McCarr, Petrangelo, and Stamkos, oh, If you're going to shoot like that and have a one-timer, you better have an elite one-timer, not a catch and release, not one that you're working on that's not going to be ready for prime time, perhaps. That's a topic we'll get to in a bit. But to me, if Steve can play his way onto the conversation, then maybe depth and maybe the roster, more so for just catching a break. And you're saying catching a break, he won two cups, and he scored two huge goals. I get it. I'm just saying health matters in life. I would just like to see him healthy. If he doesn't make the team and Doug Armstrong doesn't take him and John Cooper, that's fine. But early, early season, things that have caught my eye, Steve Stamkos, I I thought he might be a third-line winger. Like, I thought he was going to go down the charts, Craig, and kind of, you know, move down, Wheezy. I see the Jeffersons. He's moving on up, and I hope he stays on up.
1: Well, yeah, you know, it's so interesting when we talk about, you know, Stevens, you know, progression through the nhL he's he i mean the last guy to score 60. <laughs> i mean you know you think about his, his his abilities right There are i mean they're unique i mean very few players today or in, in the history of the game have been able to do what he does with that one timer what what it really tells you too to me is that his health you know when he and it's true of everybody you talk about it in life right it's so important he scored that goal in the bubble before he had to leave again I don't think there was one person that wasn't really cheering for Steven Stamkos, you know, and then, and boom, he's on the ice and he scores. And then, you know, less the Stanley cup, you know, one of the things that I always talk about, you know, with first overall picks and in the case of Stephen Stamkos, in the vast majority of cases, when you're the first overall pick, you're on a bad team. And the expectation is you're going to come in and be like the person that's going to lead them. Uh, out of the dark days into in the brighter days well mike Bedano, steven stamkos like they went to bad organizations and they raised the stanley cup that is special because you know seen stamkos that was the whole big marketing thing with steven down there never has he been n- never has he disappointed but right now the way he's playing i mean we talk about a candidate well, candidate he's Right now, he's on the team. (laughs) If you're picking the team now, like watching him and Drew Doughty, it's like a flashback. It's like, wow, are they good? I mean, Doughty, I mean, we know how good Kopitar, Doughty's been right there with Kopitar. Doughty's controlling the game, managing the game. Forget about right now him being on the team. The way he's playing, he might be their number one defenseman. Well, maybe that's a stretch with (laughs) Makar. Okay, but, you know, Stamkos, the way he's playing, why wouldn't he be on the team? Like I, I mean, I'm so because I'm not just watching them score. I'm watching how they're playing, and just like everybody else, and, and they look like like the players that are front line difference makers, and that's what the Olympics is about: front line difference makers.
0: <laughs> Big one started the season well in Boston, eh? You know, wow, Brad. I, I, I how do you get better? Like, it's one thing for Doughty, a bit of a slump. Kopitar's aged well. I I look at Kopitar and say one season, Craig, I would say the 12-goal year wasn't a good year. But he's also an 87, is he not? He's also part of the 5 draft. He's he's aging well, like very well. And not just the five points now. And even as they, you know, he came out of that season and Doughty, there was some moments of – and if Drew is, what, the third right-handed shot defenseman you're saying on Team Canada – and from a Kings factor who's a Kings fan who says, I don't care about Team Canada, I care about the Kings, he's doing the things that he did before when he was 24, when he's controlling the play, when he was the leader, where I'm the guy. I'm the guy that at 12, they told me you're going to move from forward to defense. And he said, what? And he did. And they said, we only have 4D. And the defenseman is the general, controls the game. <laughs> you convinced me. You convinced me. You still have to sell, right? You still have to sell. Yes, you do. You know? um, and the, the Marchand thing is, it's about – and you talk about scouting, he comes in, he's pigeonholed by a lot of people, including me at the very beginning, as a third line left winger. And that's what, there's nothing wrong with that. And he's a pain in the, you know what? He's a rink rat and he's there. And then you just see some things that I'm not going to say is all 88 and, and and 37. There's a lot of 63 in there. The moves, the skill, the hands at the World Cup, which was five years ago. It's like he got better as if he am, Proved his he's better now. And he's turning in to a, a elite. No, he already is an elite. He's putting himself in a conversation about a certain place if he keeps doing this, getting the points where before you would have said, come on. And you know what I'm talking about. Yes. That I building like the hall of fame. Yeah. And 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 the thing about it, okay, Panarin's great what he does. Dry I guess, a left winger now, but he's still a centerman. Um, Miko Ranton, there's a lot of great left wingers. Ovi still got it but this guy is on all three situations. Five on five, four on five, five on four Marchand, as good as anybody else. And I thought I'd put Marchand with McKinnon and McDavid if I was team Canada, because there you go. But I think Marchand, I don't want him to be lost on that line because he could almost help drive his own line if he plays with Sid. And that's the scariness of elite talent. Why do we like you scouting the byfields who become elite players? Because the world loves elite. They love the big movie. They love the guys. And I just look at him. He dominated on Saturday. Dominated again. He he, he was a
1: really good junior player. I mean, he really was. Now, you know, Brad, he was a third-round draft pick. You know, like, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, was he the biggest guy? No. Was he the best skater? No. But but here's how I would – Brad always had a burning fire in him, a burning fire. We talk about difference makers. He had that burning fire to make a difference. Uh, He also had this magnificent intelligence in the game. Now, people might say, geez, well, you know, why did he do some of the things he did? Well, just because you've got got a real strong sense of the game doesn't mean you might not do some things you regret. But I watch Brad Marchand play, and what I see is a player that wanted to get better. He wanted to put some of the stuff that was defining him in a negative way in the past. And I, I think being in the environment of Boston and some of the things that were unfolding, I also think that he, he, he had teammates and, and, and management that, that really cared about him and said, hey, you know what? You're good and we value you. You can be even better. And he took that and applied it. He, he didn't kill penalties a lot. And now he's a penalty killer. <laughs> like, <you> know. <laughs> and, and, and because of the brains and the, and, and, and the great intelligence, he's able to do so much more right, and, and, and impact the game in, in, in more ways. And, you know, I, I, I know, like, I, I, mean, I can't sit here, Steve, and tell you, don't play him with McDavid and McKinnon. But when I watch what he did with Sydney and, and Patrice Bergeron, and because he's already played with, and you know that that can work, you know, I think that that becomes important for, for John Cooper and the Team Canada Brass. But one of the things I've been reminded of by a number of people that have been involved with Team Canada they went into every Olympics with an idea of what their lines were going to be, and they start and they said they never finished the way that we started in the most part. So I, you know, we sit here and we talk about who could be good with everything. Right? There's no way Brad Marchand wouldn't be good with McDavid and <laughs> McKinnon, right? So I'm not even going to try to make the argument. I mean, the coaches are going to figure out okay what works and you know and and go from there. But Brad Brad is a terrific player and he he he's he's such a great competitor and steve like i mean he was the first team all-star last year and you know you got hubert all think about think about team canada you got the num- the, the first team all-star uh center that's uh, McDavid and the mvp you got the first team all-star left wingers and second team all-star march and, and Hubert. you got the first team all-star right winger in mitch marner right that, that, those aren't bad places to start <laughs> right you know so yeah, I, I Mark Andre Fleury won the Vezina trophy last year. He was the second team all-star goaltender, right? I mean, to me, I know Chicago, I mean, I mean, I th- I think Marc Andre Fleury will be traded before the end of the season oh. to a top contender. Oh, did I drop that on you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I mean, Chicago's not a contender and they're and they're poor defensively. And I think that uh, Marc Andre early on in the year has been uh, you know, left to <laughs> fend for himself, so to speak. But I do. I think somebody if I had to be a betting man, do you know where I think yeah. he's gonna end up? Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Why not okay. finish where you started? Anyway, yeah. that's for another day. Yeah. But, um but that's not a bad group of players. Uh you, and then we got Stamkos and we got Crosby who, who who's still pretty bloody good. And you know, you start to look McCarr, who was the who who was the first team all star defenseman. <laughs> okay. Okay, like you gotta take your chances, Steve. I'm gonna take my chances. I think you'll take your chances too.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of talent. Um, and I got a, a lot of things I want to discuss with you. And time flies when you're having fun. And we know that, uh, you know, being at the airport, you might have to fly out of here pretty soon. So we'll use our time wisely on the US side with Jack Eichel's situation. Jack Hughes, it was a wow start, and we know undersized and maybe in the league earlier than he should, but now his third go around the two beautiful goals. Could he help fill a void down the middle? If does Larkin have to go to two, which means could Hughes be a three? He's not really a four. They're going to need help, right? Zegers is not going to be ready. Could Hughes, I mean, you give me the, if it goes Matthews, one who returns uh, after missing three, it would have been Jack. If not Jack Larkin, JT Miller's really a winger, not a centerman. Uh, actually,
1: JT could be a good center. He's a Would good you option. do that, though? Yeah, well, I think, yeah. Well, because of the, so really what you're talking about here is a hole, right? A and hole. when you have a hole in your lineup and, and, and the hole is because of the absence of Jack Eichel, you, you got to consider different things you got to it's not like you can say well can we just wait till jack's healthy <laughs> like they they can't say like you know you got you got to go and play and and while you'd like to have jack Geichel, you got to go okay what are our other options and what gives us the best opportunity to compete for a gold medal because that's all it's about so it's, you know, Canada and the USA and Sweden and Finland and Russia. They're not going there to participate in the tournaments. There's enough other countries that are participating. Those five countries are there to win. And Czech Republic. I don't want to dismiss the Czech Republic. But, you know, that's what you're there for. So what gives you the best chance? You have to consider Jack Hughes. You have to consider JT Miller. Like, because of because of the hole in, in, in the middle of the ice with Jack Eichel's absence, you have to. So... But are you going to ask Jack Hughes or JT Miller to do the same things as Jack Eichel? No, but you're going to try to get your team into a spot where, you know, you can be successful using those individual players' talents. beautiful thing is, you know, these discussions are going on. One of the things that I'll add real quick, I really like the – I think Mike Sullivan is a real masterful coach. I think he can make adjustments on the fly. I think he can look at a lineup and say, this is the type of lineup that give us a chance to win this way against this team. I think that's incredibly important in international competition because all the different countries are going to play differently. <laughs> and I think that Mike Sullivan has a real grasp on how to adjust and adapt.
0: His team's off to a pretty good start considering – they're banged up and everyone <laughs> made excuses for them, including me. And they've they're off to a good start. You've already dismissed Chicago. Um, and they needed, you know how many goals have been six on five, six on four, five on four with an empty netters this year. It started with Tampa. We have a bit of an epidemic. Chicago needed two goals with their own net empty, including one with 26 seconds left, yeah. just to get their only point in the season. So in the uh department is Chicago and Montreal. In the oh department, Carolina's off to a nice start. Um, I like what the Penguins are doing. You know, teams that had some question marks. I guess we should sit the Islanders in a way, but they've had a tough schedule. Of the O-O's or OO teams, you know, Pittsburgh, Chicago, Carolina, Islanders, Montreal, which one is the juiciest? If it's a burger and you're going to load it up the way I would with cheese and bacon and tomatoes, and which burger is the juiciest you want to bite into right now?
1: I watched you eat the burger you just described last week. <laughs> <laughs> there was juice flying everywhere. You're Thank you for that, that by the way. Thank you for that. <laughs> so I I I know what you're talking about. I can visualize that. Uh so oh it's for me it's Montreal. It's Montreal Canadiens all the way. Owen 3, they've scored a total of 3 goals, one in each game, right? Jake Allen has been good. Jake Allen has played has played well like uh, in in his two starts. And so when I, when I see the Montreal Canadians and, and again, like they're in zone offense, like to me, it's like they have this idea we're going to play this way and they keep playing that way and they keep getting these really poor results. And, you know, they're a team that last year in the regular season, they scored really well off the rush, you know, transition. And think about the Toronto Maple Leafs game, you know, open, what, what happened? How'd they score the goal? transition, off yeah. the rush, right? They, they blitzed you know, the Leafs. They blitzed like, them. But they blitzed them early, but they scored their only goal. This is a team now. You start to think about scoring. They're 0-3. They, you, you know, and they're in a tough division. We know they're in a tough division. But when, when, when I'm watching them play and I'm watching them specifically in the offensive zone, I don't like what I see. I don't like what I see. I'm, quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more – of what I saw with them heading into the playoffs, which led me to say they're not beating the Leafs in seven games. In fact, I don't even think they'll win one game. Well, after they won the first game, I heard from 1.5 million Habs fans. And obviously when they won the series, you know, I heard from a lot more of them. (laughs) So, you know, but the reason I said that was because of the way they were playing. And when I watched them, it's like they have reverted back. I'm not impressed.
0: Well, you mentioned Allen, he's 2.05 925. If I would have told you <laughs> Allen is going to get two starts, you'd say, Okay, they're two and zero in those starts, or one oh and one. No, you mentioned the three goals. I like to think with Anderson and Foley and Cole Caulfield, who's I don't like how they always use him on the power play, uh, Gallagher on the third line. Uh, you love Suzuki, there's too much here for them to be like this. Like, you can still save an 0 and three start with three regulation losses, right? Like, you can still get into the wild conversation, right? There's there's too much here for me to dismiss the next 79 games because we've dismissed Montreal before. It's just weird that in two shortened seasons, they get in as the 24th seed and the 18th overall, and now we're playing a full year, this huge marathon. I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. We've watched what happened the last two runs, really. I thought they were very- they should have beat Philly, Craig. They should have beat Philly for the grace of, well, you tell me. But they didn't, and then we know what they did last year. I, there's too much still here. Yeah, the price thing, that's huge, and, and Weber, I know, but, but there's still enough there that they can't be this bad. They're not this bad. It's never as good or as bad as you think. It can't be this bad.
1: I, I agree with you. I, I, I mean – You know, there's certain areas of a team that you 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 look at and say, "Geez, they have to get a lot better." But Steve, again, like you talked about the players, right? And you talked about some of the skill they have. So, okay, so they have the skill.
0: Yeah,
1: they work hard. They skate. They like you know.
0: They got will. There's will.
1: Yeah, I don't worry about that. They're they're not a non-competitive group in any way. They compete. So when I watch how they want to try to create offense. That's coaching, Steve. It's straight up coaching. And it's it's like it, it it's like a football team that wants to continue to run the ball at the goal line, right? And they're determined. The other team is saying pass it against us. And they go, no, no, we're we're a run team. And they just keep running and it running it. And the other team knows what's coming and they just keep running it and running it. And they say, Well, we had lots of opportunities. Yeah, you did. And you never figured out what you needed to do to take advantage of them. That's what worries me about the Montreal Canadiens, coaching. And I don't think Dominic Ducharme, I'm not suggesting that Dominic isn't a good coach or anything, but coaches have to find solutions to the problems. They have to. That's their job. And if they don't find solutions, well, that's where managers start to look for other coaches that might be able to find solutions. I'm not suggesting that Dominic Ducharme is, is in trouble or should be. No way. I'm not there at all. If I'm the manager, I'm telling, hey, Dom, this ain't working. It's not working. you got to come up with different ideas and different solutions, and you got to push
0: them. Well, it was almost too easy, all those rush chances against everyone. I mean, Vegas never figured it out. The Leafs had trouble. Everyone didn't believe that Montreal could get behind you. Even Sheldon Keefe in the documentary said, don't let them get behind you. And what happened? They got behind you, so maybe now they're figuring out that the Habs are very good rush team, so we're going to take away the – the Dan Fouts air Coriel and we're going to force them to run and they're going to still pass and we pick it off because they refuse to change. So that's a huge storyline moving forward. Um, On the bits and bytes topic of the CBA. And you probably heard and read all these things who in their right mind. And I'm not going to mention the names thinks that we're going to go to a soft cap or a luxury tax Like who thinks Gary's going to call Carolina, Nashville, Florida, Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo, Ottawa, and say, would you have a problem if we tax the lease in the Rangers at 50 cents of everything over 90 million? Yeah. You know what? We've been competitive. Everything we just fought for for six. I'm just going to give it back to you. I'm going to give it back to you. And here, Oh my goodness. Sometimes I say to myself, I got, 38% grade 12 math, and I got to give lessons to other people about fiction and the CBA? So that's my rant on believing we're going <laughs> If you run up against the cap, Vegas, you play 5D. You run up against the cap, Toronto, you go and get a goalie from the U of T. And if another team does it, they will pay the price. And the league isn't going to give them an emergency buyout because they had either bad luck or mismanagement or both. I don't have that degree, Craig, but I think my degree in this case of accuracy on this topic is high. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: No way! Wow, well, there's no way I'm telling you wrong. And and you know what? You knew I couldn't tell you here wrong because I mean, we've <laughs> talked about this, right? Yes. So so you know it's interesting for me, and and I've he- I've heard a lot of different times over the years. First of all, the next perfect CBA in any industry will be the first one. There's going to be, as you go through, unintended consequences of a CBA, right? When, when Gary and the NHL focused in on a CBA with a salary cap, they looked at it from a macro point of view, a macro point of view. They're not worried about the micro. <laughs> They're not worried that a team might uh, run into a problem with an emergency uh, backup goaltender because they, they didn't manage their cap very well. They're not. Gary and the NHL are not designing uh, CBAs to deal with all these little micro issues. Now, I, I don't know what the math is, but I could figure it out. How many games have been played since the cap came in in 5 06? How many times has there been an issue, (laughs) one of these micro-issues? And and yet people, because of the Toronto Maple Leafs situation with the cap, they, oh, my God, we got to change the CBA. we got to change it. Oh, my God, the CBA. You're cheating the fans. No, you're not. (laughs) It's a micro-example, and Gary's not wasting any time or any thought on these micro-examples. Now, if there was 1,000 micro-examples of this, they would examine it and look at it. There isn't which means there's absolutely no reason for there to be a consideration of a change of the cap. And I'm just saying, what you're saying is, is totally correct. I'm totally with you, but Oh my God, Alex Bishop has to dress for the Toronto. The salary cap has to change. <laughs> the CBA has to change. No, it doesn't. That is a direct when Vegas was doing it, mismanagement Toronto Maple Leafs. It's mismanagement on the cap. And when I hear teams, and I, I say this all the time, I hear teams go, well, the cap, we ended up, w- w- wait a sec, aren't you the people that uh, put the put, put the contracts into place? Aren't you the ones, like, you know, tasked with managing the cap? <laughs> Steve, you and Diane have a budget at home. I can pretty much guarantee you, right? You know, if you run into a problem and you go, oh, my God, like, uh, we're a little bit short on cash this month, right? You know, you got to adjust. Right. You leave. You have some savings. You have a little bit of flexibility here. OK. You know what? I'm, I'm, whatever you got to do. It's the same thing with the NHL. And the cap isn't going away. It's not going to be a soft cap and it's not going to be a luxury tax as much as anybody. And and again, my, micro issues that they want to take a macro solution to. Change the CBA. The, lot, the number of people, Steve, the number of people that I hear talk about we're going to, we need to change this because of this micro issue. Oh my God. Like do you get your foot cut off when you have a hangnail? <laughs> that's what, it's, that's what it strikes me as.
0: <laughs> yeah. It'd be like me complaining about we're over budget. And then Diane says, yeah, even out at the bar with drinking wings and or eating wings and beer and you're over, but Yeah. You're over budget because of you. So don't go over budget. <laughs> Diane, we're over budget this month. What's, what the heck's going on around here? I spent too much money. Oh, my God. Okay. So next month I do it again. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I play with five defense. Now, in the Calgary days, uh, it was pre-cap, right? And then with the Leaf days, it was so. No, no. Calgary was not pre-cap.
1: That was post-cap. That was 05. That was after 05, 06.
0: Oh, yeah. But you started there in 0102, pre-cap.
1: Oh, 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 I thought you were talking me Calgary Day. Sorry. Oh, I thought you were talking about when they – did you know the Calgary Flames had issues with lineup because of mismanagement of cap? No. Oh, yeah, back – yeah, back – like post-cap. Oh, yeah, they had issues where they had to dress less players. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Sorry. I I'm just saying yeah. you you with the Ginla and Drury and those guys, that was a 102, so you didn't have to worry about 71.5 or whatever numbers were.
1: No, then, I have to worry about our internal budget, and our owners said you have this much to spend and don't go over.
0: So you had a cap,
1: <laughs> had a cap. Oh yeah. Trust me. I had a cap and, and and they were firm on it. There was none of this. Oh, we'll, we'll give you a soft cap, <laughs> you know, boom. This is what I had to
0: spend period. Have you noticed any change with the cross checking crackdown? I mean, have we, so goals are basically over six a game, right? We had the huge night where we had what? 72 goals, Craig, in Thursday's action. And I don't count the shootout winners. That does not count. So my own barometer is I'd like to get to six. I'd like to be at six. And we've been around that, you know, COVID didn't help in the bubble. But we, we've been in and around a very nice number and have had a lot of excitement. Like, there's, there's more room out there. There's more skill. You can see it. There's, there's flow. And look, Saturday we had 14 games. Even I had no chance to keep up with them all. No chance. Like, you, you can't. So you get up Sunday and recount and say, oh, I missed this, and I want to see this again. And it's not one-nothing, get in, get out, get off. Grind, it's it's not like that. So does six matter to you? And with the cross-checking, have, have we noticed, yeah, have I noticed some soft calls or some cross-checking penalties? Yes, and I'm okay with it. But has anything changed in a week?
1: Well, like, well, I I hope things change. I hope the players realize that the, the the standard's high and the threshold's gonna be adhered to and we're gonna call it. The players are smart, Steve. I like anybody they'll adjust, they'll adjust to the standard. I'm not worried about it. So people, oh yeah, look, now they're not calling cross-checking. No, no, they're not calling cross-checking because the players aren't cross-checking because they established what they were gonna do. Again, you know, that's how it is, that's what's good. Steve. You and me are on the same exact page here. I want to see the high-end skill guys. I want to see the game played with creativity and imagination and skill. I don't want those guys being hindered because we lower the standard on rule enforcement. Ever.
0: What do you make of game over pointing the finger at officials? And you know what I'm talking about during the week, but usually the losers... Um, complain, the losing teams, compl- instead of saying, listen, what I loved about the 86 uh, Oilers, you know what they did? Steve Smith didn't cost us. We never should have put ourselves in a position. We, the Oilers, don't put ourselves in a spot that we need to scramble in game seven. So we had seven games to figure it out and we couldn't. So for certain teams, and you had a good rant on my show earlier this week, so I'll let you rant again here. If you're waiting to the very end and complaining about one call here and one call there, you've set yourself up to fail. You've set yourself up to give yourself an excuse if it doesn't work. And the excuse cannot be me, the coach, or me, the superstar. It's got to be somebody else, like in life. Well, it can't be my kid. It can't be me. I'm a great parent. It's got to be the teacher's fault. It's the teacher's fault that the kid got a C. No, I didn't give him a C. Your kid earned a C. So where are we in... The officiating is always an issue, but it was a bigger issue last week. It's
1: as old as dirt, you know, to your point. And we're talking about the whole Toronto. The Toronto Maple Leafs were a disaster against the Ottawa Senators. The first two periods, somebody should have told them that the game started just after seven, right? You know, and, you know, I mean, if if it wasn't for Morazic, I mean, that game would have been a blowout. So they come out in the third period and they play pretty good and, you know... uh, Uh, it it, it was, I mean, uh, Forsberg, Anton Forsberg played very well. He really did. Yeah. But let me just see this. Like, you put yourself into the soup. You you didn't play for two periods. And now a call that went against you, right, is one that cost you the game. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. But, Steve, you know what? It's easier to point the finger out than to point the finger in. And, you know, One of the things, and I'll say this right here about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you want to be accountable? You want to talk about building your game to when it comes to, be accountable. And be accountable. You know what? That penalty had nothing to do with the outcome of that game. The first two periods where we didn't play, that's what determined the outcome of that game. You want to talk about taking the next steps? That's what needs to happen. Not the BS about blaming the officials. That's loser's mentality.
0: I've learned that along the way from people like you and the Scotty Bowman's and stuff. That you know what? If we need an excuse, we're not looking at the right man in the mirror. Oh, I love that. The man in the mirror. <laughs> it's a great little thing. You can look that up. I want
1: to finish about the man. I you know what I want to talk about? I What's want that? to talk the girl in the mirror. Okay. Katie Gay. Yep. Refereed an AHL Gay. And you know, it's wonderful that you know, we talk about you know the game is for everybody, and it is. It is for everybody, and we and there's so many competent people, uh, of from all the males, females, and from all different heritages, heritages and backgrounds, and they they offer more to our game, and and that's we got to take advantage of it. But I can't speak enough about the NHL Exposure Combine, which is run by Stephen Walkham in the NHL, Tommy Masters, who who we know very well. They do a great job of identifying you know, potential officials. They they do a great job of being able to go and attract young players. Hey, do you want to come and play? Do you want to have a career? I'm going to ask you this question, and I think I'm going to stump you. Okay. Do you know who Jonathan Deschamps is? Jonathan Deschamps? I do yeah. not. So he just refereed his first NHL game as a linesman. I can't believe you don't remember you called a game where he played at the All-State, All-Canadians game. He was he a minor was in, midget, 15-year-old? Yeah, yeah, and he was in the game with McDavid. <laughs> and Barzell so, and Joshua okay. Singh, yeah. yep. so, so Okay, so think about that, right? Like, So think about a young player. He he ended up going and playing in junior hockey for a lot of years, ended up playing in, college, in, in university hockey, right? And then the NHL Exposure Combine brings him in, right, and says, hey, we'll give you a chance. He just refereed his first NHL game. Katie Gay goes and referees her first American Hockey League game, right? Like the NHL Exposure Combine with Stephen Walkham is is an unbelievable program. They are identifying officials from all different areas and giving them an opportunity to to be part of the game. And, you know, and, and, and then they find their way to different levels, whether it be in the Quebec League or the Ontario League or the Western Hockey League, right? That all starts with the NHL Exposure Combine. And i got to say, that's my big shout-out to that group, and it's great to see you know, young athletes that want to continue on in the game as non-players but are just important, participate.
0: Well said. And remember, that's how they found Wes McCauley. Uh, full disclosure, I saw Scott Driscoll at the rink the Saturday. Jessica played well, played their first game. Saw Scott Driscoll. Boy, oh, boy. I might have to be a, 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 a Kachuk or Lindros to get into a fight. When I got, I got like that wanting to break it up. Eh? Uh, what a man. But as Jessica says, he's just a big teddy bear. And he <laughs> loves doing what he's doing now. I'll say this much. If you want to get involved and stay in the game, there's so many different avenues. And if you can handle the officiating part, I'll tell you, you won't regret it. And there's so much there. And I think what you said about Steven is right is give it a shot. There's lots of ways to stay in the game. Uh, We can't stay any longer. You got to get on the Air Canada flight for Craig Button. I'm Steve Cooley. It's producer Chris Clark. This is the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast, Season One, Episode Six. Jerry.